Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. the next uh, couple weeks, three weeks or so, three weeks it is, uh, we're going to be covering the topic on music and singing, and uh, this is is something that is vitally important to the church, because it sets the stage for your education in God. There's something that happens when we sing and when we worship. I don't know very many people who ever repented or got the Holy Ghost without the presence of God around. The Bible tells us that he dwells in the praises of his people. So in order to get the presence of God into our company, the first requirement is that we praise him. And in order to praise him, we need to first understand Uh, a little bit uh, of depth about what it is that we're doing. So over the next uh, three weeks, we're going to be covering several topics, and I've got a a tall order to stay on task, uh, but uh, we're going to do our best. We're going to be covering uh, several things, not necessarily in this order, but we will cover the purpose of music and singing in the church. We will cover the spiritual nature of music and singing in the church, and outside the church because we must understand something very clearly today that music and singing is spiritual not just when you're singing Amazing Grace it don't matter what you're singing it has spiritual content to it and I don't want to jump ahead but if if I've piqued your curiosity already let me just advise you this morning that the lead director of music in heaven was Satan. So don't be fooled into believing that the only music that has spiritual content is that of praise. We will do a sampling of backmasking and explain what it is, and this is to help develop our understanding of the spiritual content. We'll do a sampling of forward music that has lyrics that have a very strong spiritual message, but not one that is spiritual toward God. We will cover why it's important to restrict our listening to certain types of music. I'm not talking styles, certain types. We will dive in briefly to some style considerations just for your uh, enjoyment. Uh, And then the importance of music and singing in the church. We will talk about what music and singing add to your life and what they add to your spiritual walk with God. And lastly, at some point over the next three weeks, we will talk about how to identify if a song or a a set of songs or a musician or group is okay to listen to or not. There's a certain set of criteria that you can apply uh, regardless of what kind of label they're under. Things are sold under a label of country, rock, R&B, gospel, southern gospel. Regardless of what label they're under, there's a set of biblical criteria that you can apply 
to know should I or should I not listen to this because it will make an impact on your life. The book of 2 Chronicles, we're diving into week number one real quick right here. The book of 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse number 13. If you will stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Give honor to our bishop and our pastor. Uh, we were with uh, pastor last evening and just had a wonderful time uh, worshiping the Lord in praise and music and singing to the Lord and uh, hopefully we can just continue that today. Don't you love the presence of God? Amen. What would you do without Him? Where would we be without God? You ever think about that? When you come to church, that's a good time to think about that. Where would I be without what I'm doing right now? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13 says, It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Lord bless you. It is something that is very important for us to understand in our worship, and that is that when we come to church, when we come to the house of God, we come to worship God. There is a difference between praise and worship, and I'm not going to try to dive into those deeply throughout this series uh, so I will probably use those words uh, interchangeably just because it's a little easier right now. But when we come to church, the very first thing or topic that's on our minds is praising God. When we praise God, great things happen. We have witnessed it. I have seen many of you, if not the majority of you, at some point in your life, if you've attended this church for any length of time at all, I've seen you... Uh, on, on a, whether a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, typically, maybe the occasional Wednesday night, but we've seen you uh, dance and shout and leap and just be very exuberant in your worship to God. Every service is not the same. There's some services you might cry, some services you might leap. Uh, it makes no difference what form of worship or praise that you're giving to God. It's just simply that we praise Him. When the opportunity comes before us, the important thing for us is that we praise Him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, it says that both the singers and the musicians were as one. The word one in this statement comes from the Hebrew word ehad, which means united, one, alone, and all together. There is another very important verse in the Word of God that also uses this very same representation of the word one. And it's found in Deuteronomy 6.4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So very simply this morning, I want to declare to you that in the same manner that we declare the oneness of God, we must also stand before Him in worship as one. As much as we believe He is one God, 
Our unity of worship must also be in the same manner. That when we come to God, the purpose for being here, I'm not here today to see what color shoes you're wearing, to see what type of necktie that you, what type of knot you put in your necktie. I'm not here today to check your hair bow out or your toupee. What I'm here for is to see that I want to worship a worthy God. And if we will all come together as one, then when we come together as one voice, as one music, as one song, as one singer, and we come before one God, then He is able to do anything we need Him to do. Because He is a great God. Because He is a powerful God. Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because He is able to fill you with the Holy Ghost during worship. He's able to fill you with the Spirit of God without laying on of hands. When we worship. I remember a particular gentleman back in the second church during worship. He got to praising God and got to clapping his hands and started really getting excited. And before you know it, the next thing he was doing was talking in a heavenly language. Why? Because we were worshiping. Now, I want to ask you a question, and this is certainly rhetorical. I'm not looking for an out loud answer this morning. This is not open forum. But I want to ask you a question today just to provoke your thinking on week number one of this three-week series, and that is, do you worship God any different today than you did when you started with Him? And by different, I am implying in the question less. If you shouted then, do you still shout now? If you danced then, do you still dance now? If you leaped then, do you still leap now? If you ran then, do you still run now? Why are you asking that, Brother Mason? Because God hasn't changed. Amen. So why is it that our worship changes? There's something that if we allow it, it will interrupt our worship. But God's expectations for us is that when we come together in the house of God for worship, that we do so with one mind, with one voice, with one purpose, and one intent. David wrote in Psalms 133 and 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity today is not optional in what we do. If we don't have unity, nothing else matters. Now we're going to talk at some point along the way about talent versus anointing. But I can tell you today that if we don't have unity, talent doesn't matter. And I feel a little confident in saying this morning, and I'm going to say this carefully that I might not be misunderstood. If we don't have unity, I'm not so sure, Pastor, how much anointing matters. Because Pastor can be as anointed as he can be, dripping from his earlobes. He can be anointed, and if we don't have unity of spirit, all of his anointing is going to fall on hard soil. So first and foremost, we must have unity. And it is a bond that occurs in music and singing that, that God designed to pull us together. 
it, it pulls us together in one voice. Now, now I want to, to provide you with this disclaimer this morning. The, the whole premise of this series, whenever I say the reason why we sing, I'm not talking about the reason why we sing. Now, I may dabble on that just a little bit along the way, but that's not the purpose. The reason is why we, the body of Christ, why we sing, why do we have music, why do we praise God the way that we do, why is it so important? It is so important that we do not get stuck in a rut just reading words from a screen and losing sight of the words that our lips are forming. I feel the Holy Ghost now. It's so important that we don't get, get mesmerized. I thank God for technology. I thank God for the screens. Uh, sometimes more than what you understand because we've got one back there and a lot of times I need it. I thank God for the screens and I thank God for the technology and the advancement that we have. But ladies and gentlemen, we need to strip all the wiring out of the ceiling and throw it all away if we get mesmerized simply by the, by the look and the appearance and we lose sight of the worship value of what we're singing and what we're praising God for. It's of no value today. If all we're looking at is what color font we're using and what the words look like and not what the words mean. So let's continue 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13. It says it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound. Everybody shout one sound. To be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. Not only were they together in a spirit and attitude of unity and oneness, but they made one sound. That means they were singing the same song. Again, this is the exact same Hebrew word, ehad, which means united, alone, altogether, one. This lets us know today that if we desire to see God lifted up in our services, we will stand together. Now, I mean that figuratively, but that could be taken literally too. We will sing and declare the name together. We will, we will declare and proclaim a united message together. And that is, as that verse tells us, He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. I am here today by the mercy of God. If we were to go around this room this morning, we would all declare simply, we are here today because of the mercy of God. So it's important for us to understand the value of gratitude toward God for His mercy. And my first exploration, my first declaration of gratitude to God is in my worship. How do you feel when you go the extra mile for someone and you give them the coat off your back, so to speak? And you do things for them. And you invest in them. And it, it may take money. It may take time. It may take both. And you pour yourself into them. Only to some point for them to just turn right around and say, Okay, see you later. No thank you. No pat on the back. Now, now some of you sitting there this morning, uh, pious and spiritual, you're thinking, well, I don't always need a pat on the back. You, you, yeah, you do. You're human. 
We all want a pat on the back at some point in time. How does it feel? It don't feel very good. It don't feel very good to invest in someone or someones only to have them turn right around, walk away, take everything you gave them and then go thank somebody else for it. Now, if we apply that analogy to our relationship with God, when we come to church and He knows that our, His first expectation of us is praise, Praise and thanks are synonymous. If you research it in the Hebrew, you'll find that thanks is a form of praise. So when you're thanking God, you're praising God. So you could flip that right around by interpretation and say, if I'm not praising God, I'm not thanking God. But yet he woke me up this morning. He clothed me. He put, I, I, I'm not hurting for food today. So somebody asked me last night after church, said, where, where are you going to go eat? I said, well, you can tell by looking at me, I'm not fasting. That doesn't mean I don't fast. It just means I'm not on a prolonged fast. I'm not on a, pro, I'm not on a 40 day. I'm not on a 10 day for that matter. We're not hurting for food. We're blessed. We're blessed. If you're employed this morning, you're blessed. If you're unemployed this morning, you're still blessed. Because he's never seen the righteous forsaken. So it's important for us to understand the reason why we sing is because that's my first step in service with God to say, thank you, Jesus. The words I'm singing may not say thank you, but the action of praise does. So it, it's very, very important today. If you read 2 Chronicles chapter number 2 and verse number 20, or chapter 20, excuse me, you will find enemy territories were coming against Jehoshaphat. They were coming to do battle against Judah. In verse number 3, we find that Jehoshaphat prayed and proclaimed a fast through all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. That's step number 1 for us when we come to church. We ask for God's help. Musicians and singers ask God for help. Every service. The congregation is not exempt of that because Judah is praise. And if we are Judah today, then we should be demonstrating praise in our life. Ladies and gentlemen, I've said this before, I'll say it again, and perhaps till I die, praise is not something we do. Praise should be something that we are. And if you will develop a lifestyle of praise into your heart and your life and your demonstration of thanksgiving to God, then you won't have to be prompted to praise. The, the well won't have to be pumped. The water will just be flowing because we will constantly be demonstrating praise to God. So Judah, praise. Praise prayed. Praise fasted. Praise asked God for help. We must be careful to remember this morning that we cannot sing without the anointing of God. For folks that are on the platform, we cannot play and sing without the anointing of God. We cannot lead others into the presence of God without the anointing. What we are trying to do, and here's where I'm referring to us, what we are trying to do whenever we're singing and, and, and praising God, we are trying to get you into the presence of a holy God. And the things that we deal with in trying to do that is everything that you carry in here with you. 
So before the preacher gets up to preach, the praisers are dealing with your baggage. What do you mean? I have seen more things from a platform. I think I could write a book. I could tell you, Brother Terry, when husbands and wives are mad at each other. When parents are mad at their children. When children are mad at their parents. I could tell you when you don't like what song we're singing. I'm, I'm smiling from ear to ear this morning. And while I say that, I'll tell you there's times I sing songs I don't like, so touche. Why do I sing songs I don't like? Because it's not about me. It's about him. I'm going to smile like a basket full of chipmunks. We deal with your baggage that you bring to the house of God. Because we're trying to drag a sacrifice into the temple. And sometimes it's kicking and screaming. Saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Because you've brought flesh, and we're trying to burn the flesh on the altar. So if we understand that, see the reason for teaching is understanding. If we can develop an understanding of the spiritual concept of praise and worship and what coming to church means. And the front half, the front 15, 20 minutes that sometimes turns into 90 minutes. And that's okay. We don't need that every service. Do we better develop a plan B crew. <laughs> but the first 15 minutes of service... I'm not going to say they're the most important minutes of the service because I don't think they are. I think the Word is the most important part of the service. But second to the Word, the most important part of the service is those first 15 minutes because the depth of your worship helps, helps develop the understanding of the Word. If you leave here sometimes not understanding the Word, you need to evaluate the depth of your worship. Because I will guarantee you this morning, the deeper you get in worship, the more your spirit is going to open up for you and educate you on the Word. Because the Bible says that the Holy Ghost would teach us. Holy Ghost is not going to teach you anything if it's not active. We activate that through praise, through worship. I've got to move on. Second Chronicles 20 and verse number 22 tells us, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. The word ambush means surprise attack. It means to lie in wait. It means to take by surprise. It means to trap or to ensnare. So when we began to praise and sing to God, God shows up. Undeniably, God shows up. It doesn't matter if you're singing a cappella. It doesn't matter if you're singing a hymn. It doesn't matter if you're singing a brand new song out of the book. 
God shows up. And the battles that we come into this house fighting, they're not ours. We need to understand that. The battles that we come in fighting are not ours. They are the Lord's. And, and you know, c- cutting straight to the single greatest point that I can make over the next three weeks in week number one is not a popular public speaking tactic. But let me just tell you today, we could, we could stop and close the series with this very fact today that the reason why we sing is because that's how the battle is won. That's how we fight. The things that fight against you on church service time to not come to the house of God, they are not physical and they are not carnal. They are spiritual. We need to remind ourselves in those moments that we already know we win. So we need the psalmist David made a firm declaration regarding the connection between our salvation and a song in Psalm chapter 40 he says in verse number 1 I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry he brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. It's important to understand this morning that waiting in this context, verse number one, does not mean do nothing. What it does imply to us is that when you don't know what to do, you keep doing what you're doing. Well, should I, should I move? Well, if you don't know, you keep where you're at. Should I get this job? If you don't know, you stay right where you're at. Should I do this? Should I date this person? If you don't know, stay right where you're at. That's an, that's an easy answer for life. If you don't know what to do, don't change anything. But keep doing what you're doing. It doesn't mean stop. It's not early retirement. You don't change anything. He continues on in verse 1 by saying that the Lord heard his cry. Verse number 2 tells us that he was brought up out of a horrible pit. Now this is often related to the subject of sin. I do not disagree with that because the horrible pit is a pit of sin. But there's more here than just a single topic of salvation. This horrible pit is referred to by historians as a pit of noise. It's also referred to as being your trouble or calamity. Translated as being noise, an uproar or tumult in your life, a loud raging noise such as the noise of waters or the noise of a people in a crowd. It's a horrible place to be, ladies and gentlemen, when all of the voices in your life and in your family are speaking against you in your walk with God. It's a horrible place to be. Some of you have been there. Some of you might be there. Family doesn't understand why you come to church. They don't understand why you come to this church. They don't understand why you dress the way you do. They don't understand why you worship the way you do. That's noise. That is a horrible pit. It's all the noise of things speaking against you. There are too many voices speaking into our life when all we need to be listening to is one. There's one voice we need to be listening to. And the greatest opportunity you have to listen to that voice is when you praise Him. 
is when you declare his worth to him. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 12, it's almost as if the first three verses of Psalm 40 are written as an answer to the last verses of Psalm 40. Psalm 40 and verse number 12, David starts going through some things that have happened to him. He says in verse number 12, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. Iniquities of sin. So that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Then, or let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let, let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Then he says, But I am poor and needy. You ever felt poor and needy? You ever come before God feeling this way? Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. He's had innumerable evils. He's not even able to look up. They are more than the hairs of his head. His heart is failing him. Things in life is just so terribly bad. He is poor and needy. Yet, in verse number 17, he says, Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. I ask you a question this morning. What is going to cause God to think about you? If I run this in parallel to what type of person David was, here are the things that I think is going to cause God to think about you. Your relationship with Him. Your praise to Him. And your worship to Him. What happens when you're a, a young student, uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and the teacher asks a question? They write a, a big letter A on the chalkboard, and they ask you, students, what letter is this? You get 15 to 20 kids that are going, me, 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 me. Usually, the one child who sits there They don't get called on. Not normally. The one who's stretching to the sky and trying to be taller than everybody else and saying, me, 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 I, I know the answer, I know the answer, and they're just about to burst because they want the opportunity to say it. That's the one that gets the attention. We get God's attention when we declare His worth. That's what worship is. It's worth-ship. We get God's attention when we praise Him. So, Brother Mason, I praise Him. I return to that another rhetorical, thought-provoking question this morning. Do you? Not presenting judgment on that, just a question. I want you to think about it. Because the hardest thing in life is self-evaluation. Because we often assume we are doing things that we really aren't. Because in our mind, we've convinced ourselves we are, but in reality, we may not be. So just a self-evaluation question this morning, do you? Or is it in your mind? 
because the thoughts of the mind do not always produce actions. You can think a whole lot of, I, I, hope, I hope the thoughts of the mind don't always produce actions. Because the mind can be an ugly place. So it's important. It's important. It's important. In verse number 3, in all of this, David has waited patiently. And in verse number 3, he says, he has put a new song in my mouth. A new song. We often talk about this being an actual song. But the translation actually goes deeper than just a physical singing of a song. The literal meaning of the translation here is a new or fresh occasion for praise. When was the last time you came to church and praised God for what He's going to do? Not just what He's done. Oh yeah, He's been great. And I'm thankful for His mercy. I'm thankful that His mercies are new every day. I'm thankful for His grace. But when was the last time you came to church and you, you gave God your, your, your illness, your sickness, your, your, your mental anguish, your anxiety, your stress, and you said, okay, God, here it is. I'm going to thank you for handling this for me. And praise Him as though He's already done it. I think that gets God's attention today. The deliverance was so great that a new expression was in order. We could say today that if your typical expression is leaping, then maybe you need to run. A new expression. A new expression of praise. Nothing gets us motivated. Now, I've got to hurry this morning. Nothing gets us motivated to praise and worship better than a song. With accompanying music. Nothing. Skillful talent, a tight band with good musical timing, the right beat at the right time. We, up here, have to know when to sing and play it fast. We have to know when to slow it down. And I don't know that, except for what we feel in the service. And there's times we look at each other and say, what are you going to do? I say, oh, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Clueless. So you just pick something and pray that God blesses it. If you think it should be opposite, again, I say this with a smile on my face. Let's switch places for a while. It's not easy. I'm not here to beg for your sympathy but it's not easy to sing to people who are mad it's not easy to sing to people who are opposed to the beat and the song that you're singing it's not easy to sing on a Sunday morning when you haven't been out of bed very long because the voice box is a muscle and it's not warmed yet I try to down as much coffee early morning as I can thank you Jesus not easy. You say, Brother Mason, I don't need music to praise God. I can praise Him without it. Technically, you're correct. Technically, you're correct. However, don't be deceived. If you are not in the practice of praising God without music, then the odds are not in your favor. 
We need to understand that today. As a matter of fact, I feel confident in saying this morning that if you don't praise him with music, you're not going to praise him without it. Because praising God without music is awkward. Music allows you to not be so noticeable. When we're up here rocking and rolling on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, pardon the expression, but when, you're, when we're up here and we're just a singing and going at it uh, and it's loud, you can get lost in the volume. I'm no, I'm, don't worry about the volume. You can get lost in the volume. And you can praise Him and you can... And yeah, so your neighbors is going to know it, but there's going to be a lot of people. They're not going. They're not going to rubber neck and see who was doing what, because about the time you do that, the guitar may be going. So we allow you a covering, a protective covering to worship God without embarrassment. For some of you shy folks out there. So if you don't praise God with it, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're going to praise Him without it. You need it. We need it. Music and singing, I'm hurrying quickly as much as I can. Music and singing help build a sense of community. Renowned speaker and leadership guru Zig Ziglar, he said in his biography, speaking of childhood memories, attending church with his family, his parents, and 11 siblings, he said, those worship experiences, and I quote, those worship experiences built a certain unity, sense of community, and interdependence among the families in attendance. So he's saying, worship comprised of music and singing together created among us unity, community, and interdependence. Who am I going to go to in the house of God, in the family of God, for help? If I need help in life, who am I going to go to? I'm going to go to a praiser. I'm going to go to somebody that sings. I'm not talking about up here, out here. You the singers. I'm going to go to somebody that worships God. Why? Because I'm building a sense of community. I'm building faith and trust in you because you're worshiping the same God I'm worshiping. I'm not going to go seek help and counsel from someone that doesn't join me in my community worship. No man or woman is an island to his or herself. We need each other. And the greatest way you can prove that you are here for your brother and sister is to worship God. Amen. There are educational benefits of singing. I'll go through them quickly. According to Rice University Shepherd School of Music, it is through singing that children learn that music expresses their feelings and ideas. Self-expression. It's, it's one of the first experiences children have as creative and self-expressive beings. You know from listening to kids, babies in a crib, they'll sing before they can talk. Now, you don't know what they're saying. Perhaps God does. But they're just... You know, they're just a singing away. A child will sing a story while looking at picture books before he can read it. Singing cheers the spirit. It lightens the heart. You don't even have to be good at it. Because what we're talking about right now is collective music and singing. We're, we're not talking about talent. 
we'll get to that, but we're, right now we're just talking about singing to God. Singing causes the mind to focus and the body to relax. I can think of a lot of people that need that. While singing, children develop listening and cooperative skills. You want your children to learn how to pay attention? Teach them to sing. Seriously. Teaches them how to cooperate. But it's not an overnight journey, so don't expect to get it just after Jesus loves you. It gives you coordination of the tongue and lips. Fine motor skills are developed. Self-control. Singing among children fosters the growth of the imagination. It develops a sense of accomplishment and self-confidence. Children learn more easily through singing, language learning. Why do we teach the ABCs in song? And the English, lang English language is not the only language to do that. All those ridiculous TV commercials, those little jingles that they sing, you don't even have to try to memorize them. They just come to you. While singing, children learn vocabulary and grammar. We used to have Alex when he was a little boy and he was studying his memory verses, we would make up the verse into the tune of a song. And he would learn it just like that. Rather than, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. All right, come on, son, quote it. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. We just made up a little jingle to go with it. We should do commercials. Songs carry history and traditions in families and in nations. And singing creates a sense of belonging to a family, to a community, to a culture, to a church, to a country. A sense of belonging. On August 16, 2013, an article was published in Time magazine called Singing Changes Your Brain. The writer of the article declares that the group, that group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and release endorphins. Endorphins is a chemical in your body that makes you happy. She continues, and I quote, When you sing, musical vibrations move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. Group singing, for those who have done it, is the most exhilarating and transformative of all. It takes something incredibly intimate, a sound that begins inside you, shares it with a room full of people, and it comes back as something even more thrilling. Harmony. So it's not surprising that group singing is on the rise. According to Chorus America, 32.5 million adults sing in choirs, up to up almost 10 million over the past six years. Many people think of church music when you bring up group singing. Ladies and gentlemen, Science is just now figuring out what God's known all along. There is a reason we sing. How many times could you testify, I came to church down, but I left feeling better. I came to church feeling horrible, but something happened in worship. I came to church feeling tired and wore down and drugged down by the day, but midway through the second song with my hand lifted to God, I felt a little lifting. I felt better than I did when I got here. We should never leave this house feeling the same as we did when we got here because we have an opportunity to praise Almighty God. 
There are health benefits to singing. Anybody sick this morning? This is science. This, I didn't create this. This is research. Health benefits to singing. Scientific studies indicate that singing can boost your immunity, reduce stress and improve mood, reduce perceived pain, improve sense of rhythm. How many? I, I remember some of you when you came to church. Couldn't clap to save your life. I remember. I don't say that making fun because I think it's a neat transformation. But you get people in here, we're so used to the rhythm, we're so used to the beat, and we know, we know when to clap. And you get people in here and You know, it's like a, like a horse that's just born, and he's trying to stand up, and they're just awkward. And now you come in here, and the music starts, and you're just, you're just a pro. You're just a clapping. It increases sense of rhythm. It, it promotes learning. It brings your family closer together. This is science. Helps you breathe more easily. Helps facilitate a sense of community. We already covered that. It motivates and empowers you. Your level of singing expertise does not impact the proposed health benefits. So what science is saying, you don't have to be good at it. If you just do it. Research has shown that the act of singing is actually good for your heart. Because singing is an aerobic exercise. And since the heart is a muscle, it gets exercise through the, the, the vehicle of singing. Amen. Somebody say amen. Five minutes and I'm done. I've got to get through week one so week two's set up. Singing in the Bible. <clears throat> The subject of singing is found in numerous locations throughout the Word of God. The word sing is found 119 times. Song is found 78 times. Singing, 29. Sang, 12. And sung, 5. Something I want you to take home from this this morning is that there is a much larger frequency of the, word, of the present tense word sing in the Bible than the past tense word sang or sung. And I believe that that is specifically by God's design because He's more interested in the song you're singing now than He is the song you sang then. That's powerful today. God's interested in the song you're singing now because that's the song that's going to take you to victory. You may have sang, I want to rock and roll all night then. But now you can sing, I know who the rock is. And I'll roll with him all day long. That is important for us. Typical phrases used in the Bible regarding the word sing are sing praise, sing out, sing for joy, sing unto God, sing aloud, sing of mercy, sing with the heart, sing psalms, sing unto the Lord a new song, sing and be joyful, sing with gladness, sing and rejoice. All of the singing you will find has to do with either winning the battle or getting the victory. That ought to tell us that when we come to church, if you're facing something, when we get here, sing. Because that has to do with the battle and it has to do with your victory. Oh, hallelujah. 
today. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason we sing. There's a reason we play. There's a reason we worship God. It's not just to pace time. It's not just to, to feel good at it. It's because it is spiritual and it will deliver you. Why don't you lift your hands and magnify him for a moment? There's deliverance in your song. Scholars agree that singing is strongly present in many different species, like birds and whales, other animals. Currently, there are about 5,400 species of animals that are known by scholars and research scientists to sing. Some singing species demonstrate the ability to learn their songs, to improvise, and to even compose new melodies. In some animal species, singing is a group activity. Now, we're talking about the animal kingdom outside of the human race. Some species, I want to hear this now, some species outside the human race may be able to sing, but only the child of God can sing the song of the redeemed. We've got a song today that angels can't even sing. Amen. All the angels around the throne of God today, we've got a song to sing that they're not even allowed to sing. And we need to be singing it. There's an old song that says, and it's a beautiful song, it's a beautiful, rich hymnal of ages gone by. It says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Now, I don't want to take anything away from that song because it's a beautiful song. It's part of our history, and I, I do love it. But I also contend today that our song is not just dependent on our happiness. I don't have to be happy to sing. But if I will sing, I have a greater chance of getting happy. Amen. So I, I've taken a poll, and I close with this this morning real quickly. I've taken a poll over some people, and I'm going to be sharing these results with you over the next three weeks. And I've got a sampling of them this morning. Some, some pastors, worship leaders, musicians, friends of mine, colleagues of mine in the church world, uh, and I've asked them two questions. Why do you sing and play? <clears throat> and what does the role of music play in the value of worship to you? And I wanted to share them with you this morning because I think it's very revealing. I'm not sharing who it was, just the topic of their answer. Uh, one person wrote to me and said, Music makes it easier for me to worship and prepares the heart to receive God's Word. We've established that this morning. That is, a, 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 that, that is the reason. That is the true statement. Another person says, I play because I feel it is my ministry. And God has blessed me with a talent and ability to play, and I want to use that talent for the Lord. Music ushers in the anointing and presence of the Lord through worship. Music touches the soul of man. God created music from the beginning and had a minister of music, Lucifer. That puts a very high importance on it as if it was the way worship was supposed to be, music and singing. The next person says music is the first way, and I thought this was so revealing today. Music was the first way I recall God speaking to me. Before we ever get to the preached word of God, we've got the song. He says... Since then, this has served as a very intimate way for me to communicate to him as a result. I believe it expresses worship in a way that sometimes the spoken word cannot. For me, music and singing is the key to unlocking the door to the presence of a holy God and making hearts ready to receive the word of God. You see the pattern there. 
He says, He chose to give me a gift that I could continually use to give back to Him. There's nothing I can give Him that He didn't already have. So consequently, I treat music as very sacred and try my best to give it back to Him in a condition that is no, get, no different than how He gave it to me. The last one I'm sharing with you this morning says, I sing because I'm happy and because the joy I feel in the Holy Ghost. I only play the piano when our piano player is gone. And although I can only chord, I thank God that it, He helped me when I was trying to learn. I had prayer. Get this now. I know this person very carefully. I had prayer for my hands one night at church, and from then on I could chord. That, that's powerful. Music and singing to me is an honor and a privilege, not a right. Both here and there. It's something we do for God. I sing songs I don't even like because I want to praise Him and we try to find the pattern of things that people like. You're not going to like every song we sing. I'm going to tell you that up front. You're not going to like the style of every song we sing. Some of you want hymnals. Some of you want new. What I think we need to do is bridge the generation gap. And when we're singing hymnals, those of you that are under the age of 50 need to worship. And when we're singing new stuff, those of you that are above the age of 50 need to worship. Because it's not about the style. It's about the one we're worshiping. It is about the one we're worshiping. Stand with me this morning. <clears throat> Music and worship is a huge responsibility. Statistically speaking, we have 11 seconds when our service starts to convince a guest that they need to come back. We have an 11-second window. Since we start with music and singing, that means that 11-second window has happened before we usually even speak the first word. That means our music needs to be good enough for them to like. Dave, we're going to talk about this more in weeks two and three. David talked about skill. Now I'm going to talk about why we reach for skill and mastery. But while we're reaching for that, we're also praying for anointing. We're praying for anointing. I close with this this morning. There is a story. This is a true story. It's, it's local in this area. There are people in this church that know of this person. There's a story of a lady who, who has a, a pet snake and or had a pet snake. And uh, it was a, uh, I believe it was a, a boa or uh, some, one, of the, one of those type of snakes, and she slept with it. Now, I've, I've known people who had snakes, but they kept them in a, a tank. And I'm, I'm not going to advocate this morning my opinion on that. You want to know, you can see me after service. But this particular lady, since this pet was her, 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 this snake was her pet, she slept with it in bed. And she got to noticing after several days, her snake just wouldn't eat. So she took her snake, her pet, if you want to call it that, she took her pet to the vet and said, Doc, I, I just don't know what's going on. Uh, she won't eat. Well, what, what are you doing? So she somewhere through the interview disclosed that she sleeps with her and she's noticing that she's restless and she's moving, she won't eat, blah, blah, blah. And, and finally the doc looks at her and says, Woman, that snake's fasting. Because that snake's sizing you up to see how many days she needs to go before she can eat you. 
Now, I say that to say this this morning. What you live with, what you sleep with, what you are emotional or intimate with will consume you. And if you want to be consumed in your walk with God, with God, we need to get intimate with Him. And we need to begin living with Him. Starts in our music. Starts in our singing. We need to get emotional with Him. Emotion does not represent the Spirit of God, but you cannot get spiritual without emotion. We need to be emotional with Him this morning. Lift your hands and praise Him this morning as Pastor comes to close the service. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.